Well, welcome. How are you doing with your distancing and having all the kids home and being in the house together? Have you survived the first week? Well, unfortunately, this looks like it's going to be uh, more of a marathon than a sprint. So uh, hang in there. Uh, you may have wondered what it was like for the early church when they got, back, get, got together to worship. And um, in a way, this is kind of what the early church was like. There were house churches, and they were families, and groups of families would meet, but they were very small groups and gatherings. And the, actually, the first worship building didn't uh, begin until around the third century, where they had larger places for people to meet. So this weekend, what I want to do is I want to talk about how are we to respond to this COVID-19 threat. And I really just have four, four things I want to say, and they're just kind of real basic things, but I hope they will be helpful for you. I hope they will be things that will encourage you, and I hope they will be things that uh, will speak to your concerns as a family and as individuals. Um, the first thing I want to share with you is that we need to take this threat in stride. We need to take this threat in stride. You know, we live in a fallen world, and a fallen world means that bad things happen to good people. Bad things just happen, and we experience natural disasters like earthquakes and tsunamis and plagues and disease, and these are a normal part of human existence. In fact, uh, let me just give you one from a long time ago and one uh, more recently. Um, in 1334, uh, the Black Death originated in China, kind of like this one that we're experiencing now. It spread along the trade routes to Constantinople and Europe and to the, the known world at that time. And the death toll was 60% of the European population, 60%. It's an incredible uh, loss of life. We have one that hit us more recently, and some of you are, remember it, and some of you may not remember it. In the spring of 2009, we had the H1N1 virus, and that virus was first detected in the United States. It was detected in the United States. It spread quickly across the United States and the rest of the world. But just in the United States alone, just in the United States alone, there were 60.8 million cases of this virus. Also, there was 12,000 469 deaths. Now, many of you said, well, I remember that, but I don't remember. But you, when, you, when you think about the numbers, it's really pretty staggering. So we're in the beginning of kind of a worldwide pandemic. And it's easy for us to get concerned. And it's easy for us to turn internal and to worry. And I just want to say that as human beings, uh, this is going to be uh, a regular struggle that we have as we live on this planet. It's one of the challenges of life. We can't, and I've said this before, we can't change our circumstances. I wish we could, but we can't. Um, but we can determine how we're going to respond to these circumstances. And that's really what I want to talk about a little bit. How are we going to respond? Because we have this, this challenge, this opportunity, you might look at it that way. And this is really a valley, and it's not just some of us are walking through, because in life, sometimes just a few of us go through a valley, 
or maybe sometimes you've gone through a valley and you felt alone. This is a lot of people. This is the whole world is going through this valley at the same time. And there's probably a lot of people in your, fa- in your family and your friends that are freaking out about this. They're just sure not, not sure what to do. Well, this is a, an opportunity for you. But when we go through the valley, what we have to remember is that God walks through the valley with us. And let me read to you Psalm 23. And that's a great psalm, by the way, to maybe read every day and just meditate on and reflect upon. And David says this in verse 4 of Psalm 23. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the idea I want you to see there is that even in the dark valley, David says, you are with me. God hasn't left us alone in this struggle. He hasn't left you alone in this struggle. He knows, he cares, and he promises to be with us. Uh, Another psalm in Psalm 46, it says this, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. And then verse 11, he says this, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So that's the first thing. The second thing we want to look at is that we need to take this threat seriously. We need to take it seriously. You know, I've I've spoken to people who feel like, well, this is just overblown. This is just kind of, um, it's not really a big thing. Too much, it's media-driven, all those different things. But here's the thing. Most people think this is a big thing. Even if you don't, they do. And uh, they they are concerned. And this is one of those times where I think we need to really think about um, how we're affecting other people. Because if we don't take it seriously and it is serious, then we've made a huge mistake. For example, uh, you've probably heard stories about people who are going about their regular business and they're with people and not really heeding the warnings that we're getting. Um, People going on spring break, and I guess they've closed the beaches now. But let me me just read you something about how this this, uh, uh, COVID... uh, affects us. So for those who've been infected, even when they are not aware of being affected, okay, so that's the problem with this. You can walk around and be infected and not know that you're infected. If you're not, if you're that infected but not aware person, if you're that person, if you stay away from people for five days, you just decrease the percentage of infecting others by 50%. If you stay away for 11 days, you decrease the percentage of infecting others by 95%. So whether you feel like you're infected or not, just by social distancing, you're protecting the people around you. And so that's why you should do it. But here's the other reason why you should take this seriously. Even if you think it's much to do about nothing, you still have to take the fears and the concerns of the people around you, the people you love, seriously. Let me give you an example. Many of you have children, and you've had those those nights where you hear your child crying in the other room. You walk over, you check in on them, and you realize they're having a bad dream. 
And you say, honey, honey, wake up. You're, you're, you're having a bad dream. You wake them up and you give them a drink of water or something. You talk through. But you, I, my guess is you walk in. You're pretty calm about it. You're very empathetic. You're very kind of mild with them. And you say, you know, it's going to be all right. It's just a dream. You're going to be okay. Now go back to sleep. I'm in the other room. You do all those things, right? Why do you do that? Do you think their dream was real? Well, no. It's a dream, right? So even if you don't believe that it was real, you still show empathy. You still show love and concern for your child. Let me give you another example. In a healthy marriage relationship, you have to deal with the feelings as well as the facts. You might believe that somebody feels something that they shouldn't feel or whatever. If they feel something, you say, well, that's silly. Why would you feel that way? I don't even understand it. I don't get it. I'm not going to even... I'm not going to even deal with it. Well, you know what? If you love a person, if you care about a person, you can't be dismissive or you can't make light of their feelings. If you truly love and care for them, you must acknowledge their feelings because their feelings are real to them. And so whether you believe what their feelings are, are, their feelings justify what is really happening or not, you still have to deal with those things. Scripture calls us to be, in the word, the idea that we're talking about here is to be empathetic, to show sympathy to others. And this is 1 Peter 3, verse 8. 1 Peter 3, 8, Paul, or Peter says this, Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. But Paul says, be sympathetic. I'm finding that's not uh, a deep well for many Christians sympathy. Christians are called, though, to care and love for each other. We must not make light or dismiss how people are feeling around us. Uh, we need to take them seriously. We need to show compassion. We need to show empathy towards them. Out of love, we're called to show understanding and empathy. Here's the third point. We need to see the threat as an opportunity. The early church uh, was amazing in a lot of ways. And they didn't get everything right. Some people say, well, I want to go back to the, the days of the early church. Well, you know, there were a lot of issues and a lot of problems. They didn't have everything right. They had a few things right, though. They gave like there was no tomorrow. They served like it was no tomorrow. They shared whatever they had, toilet paper, whatever, like there was no tomorrow. I mean, it was like Anybody who had a need, their need was met. So they got, they nailed that one, and they were really good at that. And I want to give you a, a kind of a story. Uh, so in, uh, here's another pandemic that broke out around Rome. In A.D. 249 to 262, Western civilization was devastated by one of the deadliest pandemics in history. The city of Rome, they said at the height of this pandemic, the city of Rome was losing five thousand people a day. Now stop and think about that. Think about losing 5,000 people a day. This is how bad this pandemic was. And the people around Rome and in Rome were panicking. What were the Christians doing? Wouldn't it be great to know what they were doing? Well, we do. Because we have a bishop. Diogenes of Alexandria gives us kind of a, a, an idea. And this is what he says. This is a quote of his. He says this, this is how bad it was. He says, at the first onset of the disease, they pushed sufferers away, fled down their, uh, uh, fled, down, fled from their dearest, throwing them into the road before they were dead. 
treating unburied corpses as dirt, hoping thereby to avert the spread uh, of the fatal disease. So in other words, they had family members who were infected and they threw them out on the road and they left them there. He goes on to tell, though, as you read through his account, he goes on to tell how Christians served honorably as they served the sick until they themselves, many of them, caught the, the, the disease, and some even died. And this is an amazing thing. Christians were basically serving those that were left on the side of the road as dirt. This is an amazing thing. Now, listen. I'm not encouraging you to go and endanger yourself or your family, but I am challenging you to do this, to look out for the needs of others and not just yourself. Uh, during these times, it's easy for us to hunker down and to look out for number one or look out for my family. And what we need to do is we need to understand that it's about others that God is going to open up doors of opportunity if we're willing to see those doors open. Um, ask yourself this. How can I, how can God use me during this time to help people around me who are fearful, who are anxious, and who are needy? How can I be the light of the gospel in this present darkness? Let me read you the passage, and I kind of made reference to it last weekend. But I just want to bring it out so that you, you can hear it again. This is Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Wouldn't it be great is if in the next four to eight weeks or whatever, however long, this lasts, may last longer than that, that Christians step out and make a difference. Wouldn't it be great? Well, he can't, we, we can and we must. This is our opportunity. Here's the last point I want you to see. We need to take the threat to heart. Now, I want to read you a passage, and as I read through it, you're going to say, well, that's an odd passage. That's not very encouraging. I'm not really understanding what you're, you're trying to get, so hang in there with me. This is uh, Luke chapter 13. Let me read it to you. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Or those 18 who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will perish. Now, what's Jesus doing here and what's his point? So here's what I think is going on. When tragedy hits us, when we go through a difficult time, when something happens, we tend to look for a cause. We want to find out who's responsible. We want to know why did it happen. We want to assess blame. That's generally how we approach situations. Like, whose fault is it? And you're hearing a little bit about that. 
you're, you're hearing about how this is spreading and then it's whose fault, why weren't we prepared? And they get all into this. And this is what human beings tend to do. And somebody has well said that you either blame the people under the tower or you blame the people over the tower. It was their fault for being under the tower or it was God's fault for letting the tower fall down. Somebody's fault. That's kind of how we approach things, isn't it? We look at tragedy, and here's the point I want you to see. We look at tragedy or we look at challenges like this as an intruder. Like that should never happen. We assume life and health is a given. It's what we deserve. In reality, what we're finding out again, and we're reminded of this all the time, but we never take notes, in reality, life is fragile and life is a vapor. And that's what Jesus is saying through this story. Jesus calls us to ask, and here's the question Jesus was calling the people, the disciples, to ask themselves and the people around him that day. Why wasn't I under the tower? Why was I spared? You see, every breath we take, every beat of your heart is a gift from God. But did you wake up that today thinking that? Did you think your health was a gift? Here's what I found. When life is going well, we don't think we need God. But when life goes south, we know we need God. That's what we know. Here's the truth. Whether life is going well or whether life is going south, we need God. But I don't think we often think that way. Jesus calls us to see that this life is a gift, to see that every that the, de the depth of our sin and the height of God's grace. What Jesus was saying to, his, to the people that day was he was saying, listen, you're all caught up with whether this was right or fair or good, and what you have to understand is every one day, every one of you is going to die. Are you ready? Are you ready? Jesus calls us to see this life as a gift. The gospel tells us that the tower, and, and here's, here's what the gospel says. The gospel is an incredible thing. Because the gospel says the tower fell, it fell on Jesus. He took the hit, he took our place, he died so that we could live. And this is the grace that God doesn't give us what we do deserve. And that God gives us what we don't deserve. The story of Pilate murdering the worshipers and the tower falling on the, on the people should call us to reflect. And it should act, call us to come to a place where we say, if we were under the tower, would we be ready to stand before our maker today? It's not just a time of self-reflection. It's a time of eternal reflection. And the question I want to ask you is, have you taken a time to call out to Jesus? So there's four things to consider. It may be that one or two of those will speak to your heart, but I hope at least, if nothing else, as we begin this walk through a valley, this walk through new challenges, this walk through this pandemic, uh, these new things and how we're going to manage it, I hope we'll see there's an opportunity for us that we, can, we as a church can reach out to people who are hurting and are fearful. 
I, I hope that it's a personal thing where we do an eternal evaluation of where we're headed and if we've made peace with God. Uh, let me pray with you, then I want to tell you where we're going to go, uh, a couple things that we're going to be doing, uh, that I'm going to be doing, that I want you to be aware of. So let me pray with you right now. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement we get from it. Thank you for Jesus that he took the hit for us. He was under the tower when we should have been. He lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And um, we owe our very lives and our very health to him. Every breath we take, every beat of our heart is a gift from you. So may we wake up every day recognizing that today is a day that you have given us. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And Father, use us each day. But most of all, help us to understand that we are human and that we have a, a, a shelf life and that one day we will stand before you. But thank you that judgment took place on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And those who call upon the Lord shall be spared from that judgment. For those who haven't trusted Jesus, I pray that it might just, maybe some, some words like this, Dear Father, I realize I'm a sinner and I'm lost and I need a Savior and I realize that everything that I have and everything that I am is a gift from you. And I realize you sent Jesus to die in my place to take my sin and punishment. That he took the wrath that I deserved and was buried and rose again. And as he gave his life to me, Father, now I give my life to you. And Father, I pray if somebody prayed a prayer like that, they'd let somebody else know they prayed a prayer like that. Help us, Father, to be the light so that people, more and more people, will get infected in a positive way by praising our Father in heaven. And may we be the source of that. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me tell you where we're going to go. I want to do kind of a Wednesday morning, just send it out at the beginning, you, know, you can get it any time during the day, but just kind of a two-minute meditation to kind of point you to things that will encourage you in midweek. Um, so it's just going to be, and I've got some ideas about that, and that'll start this Wednesday, and it'll just kind of go out on Facebook, and you'll be able to look for it there. The other thing we're going to do is uh, we're going to do a e Wednesday evening, and this may or may not last, depending on whether it's helpful or not. Um, at 6.30 on Wednesday evening, um, we're going to do a chat with Matt, and I'm just going to be on uh, Facebook just to chat with whoever wants to talk, and maybe about the sermon or anything that's going on, or just you want to just uh, hang out for a little bit. Uh, I just want to feel, I feel like I want to have a way to connect with you folks uh, during this time as we go through this challenge. Um, I, I maybe, uh, you know, and I, I may be on my wife's account because apparently now that I'm banned from Facebook for some reason. But we might get that worked out. But uh, anyways, that being said, uh, that's what we have uh, coming up. So hang in there, practice good social dis distancing, and remember, wash your hands for 20 minutes. Happy birthday two times. And uh, we'll see you next weekend.